turn, if you would, to John chapter 3, John chapter 3, and then take another second to turn to 1 John and just kind of keep maybe your, your notes in that for a second. And we will get started. How many of you realize we have a living hope? He's not a dead hope. Like, he's risen, and he provides a living hope for his people. I realize y'all are still getting to these places in your Bibles. Let's come before the Lord. Before we do, actually, I'll just say this. This, this message... Uh, it's, it's weighty and important, and I tremble before the realities of it because only the Holy Spirit can show us where we're at. And this message, the, the whole point of it, the aim of it, is to help encourage believers in who they are and, and seeing signs of life in them and to expose unbelief or people who aren't born again, who don't have those signs of life, right? So let's be praying together right now just for a special anointing on this word. Father, we, we come before you, and I feel the gravity of this, Lord. We sung such a beautiful song about the re- reality of our living hope, Lord, that, that Jesus makes... He destroys the grip that death has on us because he conquered death and because he takes spiritually dead people and makes them alive and then pours his life into them. And they've got all sorts of new living realities going on in their soul. And it's like the light got turned on and they begin to live for God when they never lived for God before. Father, that's a miracle. And I just pray, Lord, would you open our hearts right now? Help us to lean in to your word that we would be encouraged to look at our hearts and examine our lives. But at the same time, just to behold what it looks like to be born again and what those marks are in our lives. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, fill up this time, fill up this place, come upon every heart, tailor a message that we need to hear right where we need it most. And I pray, Lord, help me to get out of the way, fill me with the spirit, come with unction and speak through your word in Jesus name. Amen. So you're in John chapter three. I want you to look at John chapter three and verse six. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, We've been in this chapter two weeks. Jesus says to Nicodemus, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And I want us to think about verse six in particular, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And so what that's saying, this is just this is so powerful. I want you to get a hold of this. When the spirit makes somebody alive, 
When the Spirit brings life and makes them born unto God, there's all sorts of new life going on inside them. The Holy Spirit begins to breathe life into them, and the marks of that is that they look born again, right? They look like they have the Spirit, because they do. So Jesus says, the Spirit gives birth to Spirit, right? And then he gives this analogy about the wind, and he's like, listen, you, you don't, the wind is mysterious and it's powerful. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going, but you can surely see when it hits something. You see the effects. And so today I, I want us to think about the reality of what does it look like in our lives when we get hit with the wind? What does it look like? What are the evidences that we might see in our life? When verse 6 just lands on us, that which is born of flesh is flesh, right? Spiritually dead people are going to give birth to spiritual deadness. But when the Spirit brings life, there's all sorts of new things coming online. And there's all sorts of new characteristics going on in a person's soul. So it was about, I think it was about 10 years ago now, my parents came to visit. I was pastoring another church at the time. And... Uh, my wife got to observe for about two weeks sort of the Phillips family traits. You know, she began to kind of watch my dad a little bit and kind of observe how he did things, his morning routine, his turns of phrase, his mannerisms and stuff like that. And, and she started to kind of see like how he lived and, 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 and there was sort of a resemblance going on. And I asked her, I was like, do you think I really look like my dad or do I remind you? of him and she's like she looks at me without batting an eye she's like that explains so much <laughs> all my questions have been answered right like i get it now i've seen it for two weeks i understand the morning routine i understand why you say some of the things you do and i understand just those little things those nuances that are family traits we all know them right family resemblance family resemblance. John wants us to get a hold of this because the new birth coming into our lives is going to bear family resemblance. Like father, like son, right? Like spirit, like spirit-born children, right? The Holy Spirit coming into a life just radically transforms it. It's progressive for sure, but there is distinguishing marks that we can't get around. And that's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. And John began his gospel talking like this. So turn to, to John chapter 1 briefly and look at verse 12. He just says the same thing there. He says, but to all who did receive him, meaning Jesus, to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Those born of God become children of God, and there's all sorts of evidence that comes into their life. And notice, he, he said, they believed, they looked to Jesus, they trusted in Jesus, they received all that Jesus is as Savior, and they became children of God 
and now there's a family resemblance. What does it look like in the life of someone who has been born again? What are the distinguishing marks of new birth? How can I know I'm the real deal? So now, as I had you flip over to 1 John, I want you to turn to 1 John. And we're just going to look at a couple marks of new life. This is what it should look like in our lives. And I want you to think about, like, I want to examine my own heart. And I want to be encouraged in seeing signs of life, right? And I want to be helped by that. You go into the doctor's office and they take your, you know, temperature and they take your pulse and they monitor your heart rate and they're, you know, counting all of that down. They're checking for signs of health, signs of life. So that's what we want to do when we're looking at 1 John. And first we're going to start in chapter 2 and verse 28. Mark number one of new life in the soul of man is that new life brings a new heart to live for God. New life brings a new heart to live for God. Look at it in verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, meaning Jesus, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Did you see that? <laughs> he said, everybody who practices righteousness has been born of him. It's an indication that something's going on in the soul of a man. So I want us to think about this today. When lightning strikes in the soul, the lightning of God's spirit, there's going to be sparks of new living and new righteousness going on in somebody's life. There's going to be a living for God on display. It's going to, it's going to be like a, a, a lightning strike. And all of a sudden, those little embers start to catch. And all of a sudden, the fire gets lit. And it progressively gets, grows and gets stronger and gets stronger. And the life is transformed. That's what John is saying. Everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. They start wanting to live for King Jesus. The light is on. There's not a hatred for God anymore. There's a love for God. And now it's, it's, it's becoming supernatural to live for God. Because I don't want to just say natural, right? We don't, we don't naturally want to live for God. We naturally want to live for who? Ourselves, right? But, but when God does something in your heart, when life comes in, you start to want to live for God. And now there's a, there's a growing awareness. Like, there's a fire brewing in my heart that just longs to start living for God. And sometimes we, we forget, as Christians, how radical the life change that went on when you were dead and God said, let there be life, and life came into your heart, right? When God spoke the universe into existence and he said, let there be light, and let there be sun, and let there be moon, and let there be stars, and let there be animals, and let there be 
trees and vegetation and let there be a cosmos. And it came into being. When God spoke life into a Christian, as they heard the gospel and the spirit zapped them in the heart and made them alive, all of a sudden, life is starting to grow and manifest. That's the same supernatural work that created the universe is what makes a new creation in you. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has. That's just gospel 101, right? New birth produces new life. Last week, we looked at it in a prophecy in Ezekiel. And, or no, it was a couple weeks back. And we saw this prophet talking about new birth in terms of a heart transplant. Ezekiel 36 and, and verse 25. Just listen or look on the screen and see this. Ezekiel the prophet, speaking out of the mouth of the Lord, says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanness, and from all of your idols I will cleanse you. So the, the washing of regeneration and new life going on in your heart, that's what regeneration means. It means new life coming in. What, what God is doing is he's cleaning you. As you trust Jesus, life comes in, you become clean. You've, all your sins are washed away. He tosses them as far as the east is from the west. You become clean. And, and, and your idols you're being cleansed of. And then verse 26, he says, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. That's the Holy Spirit. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You remember we talked about like you had a granite brick heart. All dead, no life, nothing pumping through it, but a desire to rebel against God. And God took that heart and gave you a new heart. That's what happened in the new birth. Verse 27, it gets even more radical than this. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Did you see that? <laughs> God says, not only am I giving you a new heart, not only am I going to cleanse you of all your idols, not only am I going to cleanse you of all your sin, but now I'm going to put my spirit inside you and you're going to start to desire to want to live for me and obey me, right? Sometimes we can conceive of the Christian life like you just, you hate obeying God and you never want, want to obey him. But when God puts a new heart in you, there's new affections, right? You're not perfect because it's a, it's a growing process of that new life being worked out. And you're still going to struggle with battles against sin because you have an old nature. But you've got something new going on that's driving you to live for God. Is that going on inside your heart? Is that going on in your soul, what verse 27 said, that, that the Spirit's in there and he's causing you to want to live for God? <laughs> That's awesome. It's like, well, I was born with like so many difficulties. I was born with these personality things that make me hard and, and, and rough and, and I'm just like that. I'm not going to change, right? 
Sometimes we say stuff like that to ourselves, like, I'll, I'll never change. No, that's not what it says here. It says you can be born to live another way, right? We can't just say, well, I was born fallen. I'm a sinner. I'm just going to continue like, like living helplessly and hopelessly. No, the spirit is in you. The spirit is in you. And now you have power to live in victory and to start chopping down idols one by one in the power of the spirit. You know, we live in a day where the moral revolution, the sexual revolution, the, uh, the advancement of an agenda that's hostile to God, it's hostile to just biblical creation and the creation of men made, uh, or, or uh, mankind made male and female, right? Uh, the design of marriage for a one man, one woman for life, right? Those realities are being under attack. And there might even be Christians who are in here today or listening online. And because we live in this culture, they're starting to experience effects of the fall. And, and maybe they've got same-sex attraction. Maybe they've got things... Uh, going on in them that they feel like they can't fix that's broken deep down and we should expect that because we live in a fallen world right we should expect there's going to be habits right that that not only you caught through watching uh, people do things in your life but there's also proclivities bents because of the fall that you have and and our uh, world today is telling us just run with that just embrace it just just feed that it's it's natural that you feel that way right of course they don't tell you that pedophiles make that same argument right I was just born that way but this teaching reminds us that you can be born again another way you can be born again and have the power to fight against sin and begin to live out God's good designs for human creation and flourishing. So no matter what the world tells us, we need to have compassion not only for people who are twisted in their thinking because they're fallen and in rebellion against God, but we also need to have compassion in the church and say, hey, we know there's going to be some struggles there for different people, but the new birth, what it means is that you can fight that. And there could be somebody who is saved out of homosexuality, who has same-sex attraction, who fights that and begins to live according to God's designs because they've been made alive. Do you see that that's what Ezekiel is saying? That's what this verse is saying in John 1.29 or 2.29. It says, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness may be born of him. Do we have a gospel that we believe in that can get a man untwisted? No matter how twisted up your soul is in a pretzel, right? like God sets people free. If the son has set us free, then we are free in indeed. That's what the Holy Spirit does in human hearts. So there might be gender confusion there might be gender dysphoria, but that confusion never leads to joy. It never leads to peace. It only leads to pain and sorrow 
in a maiming of self. Jesus says, I know you're confused about a whole lot of things. And I can deal with with what's broken inside of you. I can deal with the twistedness. I came for it. I came to die on a cross to rescue people from it. I came to die on a cross to give new life to people who think there's no other way to live. And they're so broken and so helpless and so stuck. Jesus says, I can get you unstuck. And it might not be the moral revolution. It might just be daily living as a Christian. You need to know God is going to produce all sorts of new affections in your heart when, you, when, when you're born again. That's what the great, one of the greatest theological minds America ever produced in Jonathan Edwards. Actually, the Holy Spirit produced him. And he was a part of the first great awakening. And he said, when the Holy Spirit makes somebody alive, when somebody's born again because they trusted in Jesus, what happens is they begin to get new religious affections. They start caring about stuff like going to church. They start caring about stuff like, I want to read the Bible. I'm not snoozing over the Bible. I'm like, I want to gobble this thing up. They start wanting to go to prayer meetings. It's like, whoa, I know it's a little scary, but I'm going to go anyways because God's doing something. I'm being drawn to stuff like that. I'm drawn to worship. I'm drawn to prayer. I'm drawn to the word of God. I'm drawn to evangelism because new affections are happening in me. The Holy Spirit's moving. And every believer in here, there's something inside you that's saying yes to all of that. Because you know the Lord has set you free to live a different way. To have a zeal for him. And it's that new heart inside of you. I mean, I learned this back in 2001 when I was saved. Right? I, I hated the Bible. I hated the idea of going to church. I would quiver at the idea that somebody would bring me to church. And the idea of a prayer meeting, forget about it. Right? Then I get saved... New life comes in, and I can't get enough of it. I remember my first Bible teacher's like, listen, how many people in here have a Bible? And then he asked, everybody raised it. Then he asked, how many people own a Bible? Then everybody raised it, and he's like, no, 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 no. You don't own the Bible until you've read it all the way through. I challenge you to own your Bible. And there was something in me that was just like, <laughs> I was like, yes, I want to own it. And I, I, I'll never forget the first time I read through the Bible. I was just like, it was like a treasure hunt. And if that's not there for you, like, ask God to do that again for you. Maybe the embers have kind of slowly fizzled out in your life. And you need to ask God and be like, Lord, you made me born again. You filled me with your spirit. Give me these affections I once had. Oh, set the fire again in my soul so that I experience a spiritual heartbeat in the activity of life, bringing all sorts of new things online in my soul. That's what happens in the new birth. It's not like, oh man, I have to do this, but oh, I get to do it because I love God. That's a blessing. And I, I just want you to think about, like, as we close this point out, do you love to live for God? 
examine your heart. Like, do I actually love to live for God? Or is it just part of the furniture of life? It's kind of a cultural thing. It's kind of what we do, right? Or in the Bible Belt, you go to church. Or is it new life inside of you? All right, Mark number two. So Mark number one is a new desire for living for God, living in righteousness. Mark number two is new life is on display when we make war on our sin. New life, this is like the flip side of the first one. New life is on display when you want to make war on sin. And the question to ask is, is there a growing hatred for sin in your life? That's signs of life in you. Okay, if you're believed, like that's signs of life. You're, you hate sin. There's, there's something in you that's like, I'll, I need to make war on this thing. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9. No one born again makes a practice of sinning. Did you see that word? A practice. It's a habitual, life-dominating practice of sinning. No one born again makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has, what? Been born again. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. So we see it so clear here in this text. The born again person no longer is comfortable with patterns of sin in his or her life. There are things like you, just, you know about. They're idols. Man, they're high places. They're, 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 they're little shrines and temples of worldliness that you're just like clinging to. You're like, I don't want to let Jesus have that. Because it's so comfortable. And the new birth and the spirit of God inside you, you know, you know what's happening when, when, when the spirit moves? Is you start to get really uncomfortable with that. And you start to realize like this is infecting everything. It's poisoning everything in my life. And the spirit begins to move you to do warfare on your sin. And that is what John is saying. Those who are born again have God's seed in them. God's spirit and his word. That's why this book is so important. And it's so important to have a regular diet of it. It's so important for expository preaching. Where we're going book by book through the Bible. And reading line by line. Because you're going to miss stuff. You're, if you just kind of read it like your pet hobby texts. And you don't get to the, to the hard stuff that speak truth at you. And, 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 and speak to the nooks and crannies of where you might be dodging the Holy Spirit's conviction. Like we need this book. It's, it's God's seed. It's his word. It's in us. And the spirit is like watering it and watering it. And all of a sudden there's like new convictions. And God begins to just start plucking things out of your life. It's like, I need to deal with that smoking problem. I need to deal with that alcohol addiction. I need to deal with that lust problem. I need to deal with that habitual gossip that's going on in your heart. I need to deal with that murmuring and complaining soul. I'm working on you. And the word of God begins to kind of just convict you. And you start realizing, like, I cannot allow these 
sins to be indulged any longer. I've got to make war on it. That's what the Holy Spirit produces in our souls. So the question is, do we have a wartime mentality against our own sin? It's not, and it's not just sin out there. It's like you hate your sin. Easy to hate somebody else's sin, right? We had a whole message on this, but I want to hit on this, this one truth about it that helps us kind of diagnose our hearts. Because an unregenerate person who's not born again does not hate their sin. They love it. They love it. They're comfortable with it. They allow it. They have all kinds of ways that they're nursing the addictions and nursing the stuff they know is toxic, but yet they can't help themselves. Romans 8, 7 describes the heart of a person who doesn't have new birth. Listen to it. For the mind of the spirit is set, or sorry, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Did you see that? Not the spirit. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. And it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. But those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And that's the principle, right? The unregenerate person is at war with God, not at war with sin. Let that sink in. There's a warfare going on either way. We're either at war with him or we're at war with our own sin. And we're living in the power of the spirit to fight against those sinful tendencies and those patterns. Because you have a whole mess of stuff that you began to live habitually in before you came to Christ. And even if you came to Christ at six, there's still progressive things that the Holy Spirit is working out in your heart because you weren't ready for it at six. You weren't ready for it at seven. You weren't ready for it at 20. You weren't ready for it at 30. You weren't ready for it at 60. Needed to happen when you were 70, maybe 80. The Spirit was just like, boom, i got to deal with your anger issue. i got to deal with corruption in your soul. i got to deal with where you're at. So I want us to think about this. Like, John says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning because God's seed abides in him. And I want to encourage you with this. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit lives in you? You're, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you if you're a Christian. And he won't let you settle and make agreements with sin or satanic deception. He won't let you do it. He'll convict you. He'll nudge you. He'll prod you. And that's so encouraging. Like, that's one of the reasons I know I'm a believer. <laughs> because, like, God is just, like, convicting me of stuff. And I start realizing, like, oh, man, i got to deal with that. That's a mark of the spirit inside of you. But if there's something going on in your soul right now that's like, uh-oh, I have went to sleep and I, I've never tasted anything like a hatred for my sin, if I'm really honest. I've never been at war with my sin. And in fact, I think deep down I know I'm running from God. 
Well, that's what this text is meant to help you see. It's meant to root out secret addictions. It's meant to root out things that are devastating your soul spiritually. And it's meant to root out a heart that really isn't truly born again. Look at 1 John 3, 8 one more time. Whoever makes a practice, or this is 3, 8. This is a different text because I want want to show you something here. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's his bag. The reason the Son of God appeared, this is so encouraging. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, which is sin. So how do you know if Jesus has got a hold of your life? Because you're just lining up with him like Jesus came to destroy it. He went to a cross to make war on Satan and sin and death itself. And he swallowed it up in victory. And he made a sacrificial atonement bearing the wrath of God that you and I deserve to rescue us so that we would make war on our sin in the leftover little pockets of residual guerrilla warfare that's going on trying to attack you in your soul. He's giving you the Holy Spirit like, go ahead, let's get tactical on this thing. So, we know that a mark of the Spirit in our life is that we want to live for God. We know a mark of the Spirit in our life is that we hate our sin and we make war with it. And lastly, the new birth brings a genuine love for fellow believers. That's really encouraging. John makes it so crystal clear that the evidence of new birth in the life of a believer is a love for fellow Christians. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. This is John. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. John is reminding us of one of the central realities that Jesus taught. You want to know how you can recognize my disciples, Jesus said? By their love for one another. That's how you'll know who's mine. By their love for one another. Right? And we need, to, we need to get some handles around what love really is, right? Because love isn't just that you like people you grew up with, right? Love is actually loving people in a sacrificial, pouring yourself out sort of way, right? It's, it's a sacrificial love. It's committing to be inconvenienced to serve and bless and build up and encourage your fellow brothers and sisters. And it's a distinct reality that this mark of new birth is a love for the people of God wherever they are. There's a kinship. There's a family resemblance, right? This is all about family resemblance. And the love that comes forth is a great sign of new birth in a soul. 
I think it's been a, probably almost 50 years ago that Tina Turner began to rise to prominence as a pop singer in our culture, in the music world. And she was raised a Baptist, but she rejected that when she got older. She was abused by her husband, Ike Turner, who was known to abuse cocaine and all sorts of other drugs and abuse her. And so she was rejected and hurt by those who were supposed to love her most. And she began to get disillusioned. She rejected her Baptist upbringing. She rejected the gospel. She rejected even the idea of love in the terms that a Christian would understand. And she wrote her hit single in the 80s, What's Love Got to Do With It? It's just a secondhand emotion. It's primal. She, for her, it was just sex, right? It's no longer about, it's no longer about what Jesus was about. He poured his life out in love. In love he came to redeem a people unto himself by going to a cross sacrificially. In love he was nailed to the tree. In love the Father sent the Son into the world. That's how we see love is manifested. But for Tina Turner, she was so out of touch with that truth that she couldn't even look at the cross anymore. And she asked that question, what's love got to do with it? And the answer that Jesus gives us is everything. Everything. Love has everything to do with it. In fact, 1 John 4, 7 says it so clearly. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 9. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Friends, love has everything to do with it. And one of the main signs that new life has come into you is that you love people in all sorts of new ways. You love difficult people. You love hard people. You love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You love so much that you would inconvenience yourself to take the message of the gospel into a world that will hate you for it. You love so much that you'll go up to somebody that you're not used to talking to. I don't know if I can go up to a homosexual and tell them about the love of Jesus. I don't know if I can go up to an addict and tell them about the love of Jesus. I don't know if I want to inconvenience myself to reach across the aisle and see how my brother or sister is doing. Really. This love goes beyond superficial conversation about the weather, about sports, about politics, to how's your soul before God today? How are you really doing? 
Do we have those kind of conversations in our body? How are you doing? How can I serve you? How can I, how can I encourage you today? Taking the time to, to, to give somebody a second look and say, no, how, how are you really doing? And then all of a sudden the tears come and you hear the real story. Because of that kind of love moves you towards people with the love of God. That's the evidence of new birth in your life. There's like a new concern for people. There's a new caring. There's a, there's a new pouring out of yourself. There's a new sacrificial service. There's a new sort of, I want to volunteer for stuff going on in church. Even though I know there's stuff I want to do on Sunday or there's stuff I want to do during the week. But I want to show up to a prayer meeting, not because I want to look super spiritual, but because I want to love people by praying for them. Ooh. New birth begins to produce a kind of love that truly moves you beyond yourself to care for the needs of others. That's why John could say in verse uh, in chapter 3 and verse 14, you want to know how somebody's passed from death to life? You want to know how they've went from being just dead and now they're alive? They start loving people instead of hating them. They start loving people instead of bickering. They start loving people instead of gossiping. They start loving people instead of backbiting. Oh, that's, that's just so good. And that's what God means to work in the lives of his people. I was driving up Bates Lane yesterday to go get something to eat, and I just thought I'd never drive up Bates Lane, so I thought I'd go up that way. And I realized that it was really long. <laughs> so I was going up, and all of a sudden, I see on the side of the road, um, it looked like a dead deer. And I got closer and closer, and all of a sudden, you kind of see the, the buzzards just kind of like picking its flesh, flying away. And it was just dead as a doornail. No life at all. And I thought to myself, what a picture of like, this is, this is something that's completely dead. And it's rotting and stinking and foul. And what if God would just be like, boom. And the deer came back to life. It would be amazing. And you would start seeing that deer do deer stuff, right? Instead of being picked on. And, 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 and eaten by birds. And here's what's going on in my heart. I'm like, that's what God does in our souls. When the life of God comes into you, you're born again. And you're made new. And everything comes online. And his original design and intention for you starts to get lived out. And you start loving like humans were made to love. It's a new community with new life living a new way out of genuine concern for one another. And it's progressive. It's growing. We're not going to be perfect. Nobody gets born, right, and automatically is like walking around doing kung fu or whatever, right? You get born and you have to learn how to grow. And you grow and you mature and it's a process. But there's going to be signs of life. So we've seen three. There's many more in 1 John. I want to challenge you to read through 1 John and look for these evidences of new life in the soul. We've looked at living for God. We've looked at the evidence of a hatred for sin. And we've looked at a love for people that God produces in the heart of born-again people. 
You want to know why John wrote his letter, 1 John? He wrote it to encourage believers. And he wrote it to help them understand what it looks like when those marks of life aren't present. That's what he says in verse or chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 may be the theme of the book. John tells you why he wrote it. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God because, so that you may know you have eternal life. He wants us to know we have eternal life. He doesn't want you to doubt. He wants you to know. Because if you don't think you're God's, you're not going to live for him. If you don't think you're God's, you're not going to fight sin. If you don't think you're his child, you're not going to love people well. If you don't think you're born again and get encouraged in those ways, because you do have these marks of life, and sometimes we all get discouraged. Like, is this thing real? Is something real happening in me? And God means for us to get help from this text and be reminded this is what it looks like when somebody's alive to God. Last thought. Maybe you're in here and you feel like, come to think about it, there is no signs of life in me. I don't, I don't feel this. I don't, I don't sense new birth in my soul. When I think about my life, there's no real love for God. There's no real zeal to live for Him. I'm not fighting sin, really, on any level. Except maybe so I don't get in trouble. And I feel like I'm in bondage, if I'm honest. And I just hope nobody sees how broken and messed up I am. And I just want to tell you, God sees. But God sees you and he loves you. That's why he sent Jesus. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And the whole New Testament is aimed at bringing people from that place of brokenness and no life into having new life in the Son. By finally admitting it, coming out in the open, asking God to forgive you, putting your trust in him, really and truly, and watching what it looks like when you come alive. And it's like that deer, if that deer would have just stood up. What just happened? God was at work in bringing life to something that was dead. That's what this message is about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the new birth. Lord, we can't manufacture it. And we desperately need it. We need the hope of life coming in. Pray that your saints would be so edified, so encouraged as they think about marks of, of, of what new life looks like in the soul. I just pray that you would encourage your people. We need your help. We need your encouragement, and we need that new life, that new energy flowing out of us to live a new way. But Father, for those in here who realize, you know what, I need to get right with God. Father, I pray that you would give them the courage to put their trust in you right now, right here. That they would finally admit their need for you. And that they'd see you as running towards them in love. Running towards them in forgiveness. If they will but acknowledge their need. Turn from their sin and trust you. Maybe that's you today. 
And if it is, I just encourage you, raise your hand in the air and acknowledge that. If God's doing a work in you, you need forgiveness. You need hope. Slip your hand up in the air. I'd love to pray for you and encourage you to pray along with me. Don't let this moment pass you by if the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart. If the Spirit of God is saying, I'm talking to you and I want to make you alive. Just slip your hand in the air, and I'd like to pray for you. And if not, if you're concerned about what that would look like, I just encourage you to pray and say, God, can you work this new life in me? Because I need it. Father, would you be working out the implications of the radical transformation that happened in your people Throughout this week, may we marinate on it, be helped by it, and be encouraged in it. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.